Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Episode, Woo. God, what episode is this? 108. 108. Yeah. 108. I don't know anything that I've ever done in my life that has lasted this long. Lip? Um, Gone to being school? Being alive, being married, I, I mean... Yeah, I was going to go with, uh, hey, we've been married for more than 108 days. or And, you know, I've only known you for like 20 years. But, hey, 108 episodes of the podcast. That's the 108 milestone. 108 episode of the podcast. It is a milestone. <laughs> this episode will go down in history. Well, technically every episode goes down in history. We record them. Oh, uh, yes. Every episode is a milestone. No. <laughs> you keep saying this word. I do not think... You know what this word means. It's a stone that represents a mile. <laughs> oh, my. So we are back once again in the sandblasted deserts of Osirian. Now with new friends. Now with new friends. Or are they? Frenemies? Uh, who knows? They're out of their time is what they are. Yes. A man and woman out of time. It's like the crappy form of time travel where you can only go forward. Crappy for you, maybe. I think it'd be cool. That's true. When last we had left our heroes, the doorkeepers had continued to explore the ruins at the edge of the salt flats here that was once an oasis. By explore, you mean fight a bunch of basilisks. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of part and parcel of it. You came, you saw, you killed some giant lizards. Snake lizards. Lizards. We did bathe. We had a lot of blood baths. Yes. You bathed well, in your enemy's blood. Like you Really do. only one of us did. <laughs> uh... It was optional for the rest of us, and we chose no. <laughs> it's true. We went all Elizabeth Bathory and uh, slaughtered some lizards and bathed in their blood. I don't think she slaughtered lizards to bathe in their blood. I'm Made Masika sure look younger. <laughs> Exfoliating. The, the party had then uh, searched through the ruins and had found two statues that were once people that had not been worn away or blasted by the sands of time and all the rest of that until they were unrecognizable one a dwarven man a dwarven warrior from a very very long time ago this dwarven warrior on Hoct had uh, explained to the party that he had been a soldier in service to the kelish empire during the chelson or during the kelish interrogum during the point when uh all of osirian was ruled basically by kadira and was a satrap of the the kelish empire those jerks and that he had been making his way through the desert, had been making his way out of the desert, along with some of his fellow soldiers, escorting a group of devotees of Serenre, known as the Cult of the Dawnflower during that time. Although, actually, the Cult of the Dawnflower is still active, so it was known as the Cult of the Dawnflower then, and is still known as the Cult of the Dawnflower. And he was escorting them politely out of the country, right? They were being banished from the country, Yes. The Serenites banishing them off into the desert had been returning on his way back, and then apparently he and his group had uh, run afoul of these creatures. You hadn't gotten too many details on that. And in the meantime, Masika and Sudi had freed the other captive in stone, Eshmina, who had informed you that she and she, she and a number of others had been making their way through the desert and apparently had taken shelter here, and then poof. That had been a couple of years ago because it was no, when it was like a hundred years ago. No, it was well, a while. I'm sorry. In comparison to the thousands of years that the dwarf was petrified, it was a short hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say she still spoke of Syriani, so there's that. It's true. 
Uh, that being said, she was only like aware of the uh, what is he? The fourth bringer, I think, was the title that they gave to the. Yeah, that had just Kimmet recently happened. Yeah. And, and then we told our dwarf friend that we would help try to find any of the remains of his other brothers and give them a proper burial before returning to meet back up with Falto in the caravan. Yeah. Well, I think you decided to call Falto in the caravan over because it's approaching nighttime at this point. So if they were going oh, yeah. to make it to the... So I think, uh, yeah, Narmer and his I can't get tired and I have a 50-foot perfect fly speed went to get the caravan. Yes. I'm more machine to man. Anyway. He's um, all machine. <laughs> all machine. Okay. There's, there's no man in there. <laughs> magic machine. In fact, there's zero man. Yes, yeah, so I suppose as we begin... By the time that the caravan arrives, night has fallen in full. The moon rises in the distant sky. Unless it's a new moon, I've lost track. Then it still technically rises, you just can't see it. It is uh, two days after a half moon, so we're on our way to full. So yes, the waxing gibbous moon rises. The stars come out twinkling high overhead. And the desert turns into an ocean purple and blue that surrounds all of you. As you watch the steady approach, this snaking line of lanterns and torches that is the caravan as it begins to approach. They arrive, quickly beginning to branch out, finding cover, setting up camp. Falto makes his way to find all of you, as I imagine that you still sit in the, uh, the leeward side of the rock face where the manor house sits on top with your two new compatriots, companions, fellow travelers. Falto approaches, glances over the two of them, looks about the city around him. Honestly, this looks like it was probably a pleasant place once. You know, before uh, the the basilisks and the basilisks. Yeah. Well, yes, that's nonwithstanding. It was probably a pretty nice place to live. You found survivors. Uh, Sort of. They're survivors. Obviously, they're alive. Okay. So like you and Sudi. Uh, yeah, actually, but they I'm were statues like for much, 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 much longer. When wow. were Sudi and Hollis statues? Oh, oh we fought a Medusa. Yeah, and, uh, a Medusa was in the library. Statues. To be fair, she got the drop on us. I was a statue for like five minutes today, too. So hey, that's true. Citra, your turn what? next time. Uh, Mas- I'm Masika smiles and gives you <laughs> thumbs ups. I'd rather she not, personally. But no, there were statues for a little while until uh, their, our buddy on Eurus uh, managed to seduce, a, I believe she was a princess. I don't really know how that works here. Um, and uh, convinced exactly. her to provide some scrolls to fix them. Wow. That's some dedication to friendship. Oh, yeah. He was an amazing friend. Yep. Falto takes out a little flask, takes a sip, and pours some on the ground, and then screws it back. Oh, puts it back oh, away. Sad. Falto didn't know that Onuris couldn't stand him. Um, <laughs> also true. I saw that Onuris couldn't stand him. It's just Falto exasperated Onuris a lot. A lot of things exasperated Onuris, to be fair. Well, this like seems to be. All of us. This seems to be a pretty nice find. Unless we're moving on or need to move on immediately, I was thinking of having the caravan see what we might be able to excavate. There might be other people here we could perhaps free. Or petrify uh, the same way that you did the two of them. Uh, well, unfortunately, well. we don't have the means to unpetrify them anymore. Not anymore. Not yet, I guess, actually. And Apparently, uh, if you um, kill a basilisk, anybody who's been petrified by it, the blood is good for an hour. I mean, if we had enough powerful magic, we could do it. So if you find anybody worth 
that is whole enough to be saved, uh, I, I would keep them safe. Maybe we'll find mm-hmm. some other magic or something else that could help them later on. Yeah, I mean, Hollis is super powerful. Yep, I'm almost powerful enough to do that. She looks thousand yards there into the west. Almost. Our, our new dwarf friend, Anhaket, might actually have an idea where we need to go. Really? He glances he, over towards the dwarf. But I've never seen a shaved dwarf. This is a pomet dwarf. All the, I mean, a lot of the pomet shave. Do other dwarves not? Nope, they got big old beards. Yeah, every dwarf I've ever met's got a beard down to his ankles. Interesting. Wow. That's a... I would feel like that would get in the way. Also very hot. That would be very hot. Ah. So he says, speaking from experience of what being covered in fur will do to you. I mean, the only time I've worked with a fellow dwarven pathfinder, he would actually tuck his beard into his belt to fight so it would stay out of his way. Okay, but wouldn't that pull on your chin? Small sacrifice to make, I guess. Yeah. It's more of a cultural thing. Every dwarven woman that I've ever met has hair down to her ankles. Usually braided and whatnot. Well, yeah. Anyway, I guess figure out maybe where we need to go from him. And uh, how long do we want to spend digging around here? He said he was going to guide us. We do need to find the the queen larva as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. It's kind of a major thing. (laughs) Kind, Kind of a big thing. I mean, we can stay here tonight. We can take off tomorrow i don't know uh, is it like getting down towards darkness like how close yeah, are we I mean, to it's, it's it's gonna yeah, it's already night time. Oh, okay yeah. then yeah we're definitely gonna hang out here tonight again i don't know how long if we want to spend a day or two excavating here i might be able to find something of interest value maybe something that can point me closer to the black fane i imagine well, any place like that would need to have a an infrastructure there might be records or something buried here y'all could stay here and we can make our way with just the camels and beat you kind of like we did last time. I, I do have a uh, uh, have, you know, the ability to cast sending spells and Narmer, if we're not too far ahead, can always run a message. Yeah, I am. as much as I've enjoyed actually being back together with you guys for a little bit, you can immediately head off again if you need to. I, I don't know how Masika looks around at the rest of the party. How big of a time crunch are we in? Do we need to go ahead or should we wait for the caravan? Oh, we're in a bit of a hurry. Oh, man. It's almost like on yours is still here. <laughs> oh. Oh. Also, sad. Hollis is like, I don't want to dig in the sand. I'm not good at that. You have a crew. You dig in the sand. Let me know what you're fine. <laughs> Aren't you an archaeologist? Yeah, but I didn't do the digging. I did the identifying after the digging was done. I used magic for that. Unseen servants for days. Well, no, we mostly just hired people. And then when they were done, I looked at the artifacts and went, mmm, magic. And Actually, it that out. does raise the question. Um, who's carrying the uh, Uboski of the Servant? Uh, hey. Well, Iris had that. Did you leave it with Onuris' possessions? I mean, we wouldn't have taken it, I don't think. I, I think we left all of yeah, the we stuff left that was on Onuris with Onuris. So. Oh, well. That would have been useful right now. Yeah. I suppose all of you set up your camp then. The yep. other members of the caravan occupy the buildings that they can. It's probably a couple of questions that go around of whether or not these basilisks are actually safe to eat. The answer is yes. I mean, yeah. they're lizards. Okay. All right. Sure. Yes. And as you take one bite and suddenly your teeth are turned to stone. <laughs> they're, they're a little grainy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, all of you can have some uh, basilisk steaks for dinner. Yikes. <laughs> You kind of settle in. 
The caravan settles in for the evening. I imagine you secure one of the houses to yourself. Maybe the one that you guys, uh, uh, no, you killed a lizard in there. Maybe one of the other ones that you didn't murder a lizard inside of. Yeah, that'd be nice. A few people keep an eye on these new two additions. The dwarven man just standing on the top of the cliff face, watching out towards the desert. You can only imagine the complex array of emotions that he's struggling with. The woman in question, however, seems to still be in some degree of shock, but quickly begins to talk to the rest of the caravan about maybe I should catch up on the last 100 years sort of situations. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the whole Pharaoh thing turned out. Oh, okay. Ruby Prince. All right. Got that. Okay. Open looting. No. (laughs) I think Hollis is going to go talk to this dwarf, to the Anhacht. Is anyone else joining Hollis or what do the rest of you want to do? Citra's going to spend time with Volto. (laughs) Especially if they have to separate again, she's going to get all the time she can. I guess if anybody's going to go digging, you know, Sudi's got nothing better to do. He'll like watch their backs. Uh, Most of them aren't doing that now because they don't want to burn through their supply of torches. And since most of them are human, they don't have low light vision. So wait, I mean, if you want to go through this (laughs) wrong character, I was like, I have an IUN torch. No, I don't. You have an ever burning torch. I do have an ever burning torch, though. Is the path that we're going to take going to take us through the Merchant's Care Oasis like we were originally planning on going through? You don't know. You haven't gotten any details on the path from... Okay, well then Masika will also go talk to Anaket because uh, she needs to send a sending spell to her husband if we're not going through the Merchant Oasis again. Oh, by the way, not going to see you there. Sorry. Masika, you and Hollis make your way up the steps up past this old manor house where you'd found in... uh, Free Dashmina. Anaket stands you know, a few feet away from the, the cliff ledge, although despite the blowing wind and everything else, he just seems to be planted in the earth there as he stares off into the desert. Every once in a while, his thumb just like absentmindedly, you know, he's holding his blade and his thumb just absentmindedly traces along the edge of it as he stares off contemplatively towards the south. Hollis is going to walk up and sit on the ledge and say... I guess in Dwarven. Does Masika speak Dwarven? I I don't know if you know that yet. Okay, well, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to be rude. I guess, well, you know what? He speaks Dwarven the best, so I'm just going to speak in Dwarven and hope you speak it. You said you knew the Dwarves. And good evening, I hope. Uh, how are you holding up, actually? He smiles, pauses for a long moment as he stares into the desert. I honestly don't exactly know. I mean, that's fair. Masika says. I assume also in Dwarven. Yes. Yay! It's a lot to take in. A lot has changed since you were last here. The pharaohs rule again. Mm-hmm. He nods. You know, you've noticed that he's tucked back away his holy symbol. So Anubis, huh? Yes. Like, people keep the old ways. We yeah, have we- for since time immemorial. Mm. Well, you're not alone. I think Citra worships uh, Osiris and Masika, don't you guys follow the old gods as well? Uh, yeah. She says in an obvious, like, why would we worship anyone else? These new gods are dumb kind of tone of voice. Hey, Nethys is rad. <laughs> <laughs> but Nethys is not considered a new god necessarily. Is he's he in the Sirianni? Yeah. Yes. yeah, he sold out and went global. Mainstream. Yeah, he went mainstream. Yeah, he went mainstream. <laughs> it's never been as good as when he was just an Osirian. I prefer his old stuff. <laughs> The man nods. You know, he slides away his blade, settles down on the rock next to Hollis. It seems perhaps things have changed for the better. 
Well, in some ways, I suppose. Although, you know, there's always bad people doing bad things and good people trying to stop them. He nods. Were you guys heading back somewhere? Mm. We'd made our way into the desert, had, uh, had reached the Junara River. We'd escorted them to the edge of it. And then once they reached the opposite side, the cultists, the Serenites, were free to go. If they follow the river, they may have survived. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been thousands of years, so I guess they're dead regardless. So what happened to when you got here? We turned back to make our way across the, the parched dunes. We were returning to Edo. Something had angered Set. Nah, he's usually grouchy. The desert winds were strong. Sandstorms plagued us. We were pushed south, further and further south. We had no intention of going this far. We had made the decision to make our way directly south instead of continuing on to Edo. We assumed that we could reach a peck, get a barge from there, and then take that back to Sothis. We were taking shelter from the storm. We'd been followed. At the time, I thought hunted for miles. By what? It was something that seemed to stalk in the distance. We would see it on dunes, just a shadowy form. And at times at night, we could sense it at the edge of the firelight, at the edge of my vision. When the sandstorm started to bear down on us again, this thing took pity on us. She entered into our camp that evening, long and tall and tawny, the head of a woman, the body of a lion. Ooh. Bright, wide wings and a golden Sphinx. pectoral. Oh, was her name Tedesura by any chance? I'll be honest. We asked her what she wanted from us, and she asked us a riddle. Mm. And... Well, Sphinx. Our leader solved it. But every question that we asked, she seems to ask for a riddle in return. So we gave up on questioning things rather quickly. We were not uh, scholars. I knew what we were dealing with, the immortal denizens of the desert. The way they were going, was it near Tedesura's territory? Because we know she's been here forever. Well, I mean, you know that Tedesura guards the parched Parched dunes. dunes. So, I mean, he was somewhere here. Yeah. She led us to a place. She said that she'd seen us pass by ruins, old holy sites. We had stopped, we had prayed to the old gods, those of us who believed. We took nothing from the ruins, and she seemed to realize that and respect it. She led us through this maze of canyons, somewhere north of here. The winds and the sands had hollowed out wide arches. We made our ways under these these natural stone bridges into a valley of Vel. There was a temple there, and seemingly built out of the stone itself, a small pyramid. Were there catfolk there? Uh, No, I had seen only her there. She told me that, well, she told us that we could stay until the storm passed. She told us not to enter the temple. She told us not to enter her domicile. It seemed like she lived further along this path. It looked to be almost inaccessible, except for, well, for beings that could fly. She was hospitable to us, and so we agreed. But there was a stone there, an arch stone. It had that symbol that you showed to me. The oh. house and the owls. Maybe maybe that's why nobody knows where Chesasek's tomb is. It's because it's where Tedesura lives. Masika looks concerned. What a twist. <laughs> well, 
We're already thinking that Tedesera is wrapped up in this in a possibly in dangerous way. Uh, like you, she might be in trouble. this Tedesera is this Sphinx I saw? I roll a 17 for a 35. Perhaps, would I know how long Sphinxes can live? You would know that Tedesera, first off, is a type of Sphinx known as a Genosphinx. There are many different species of Sphinx. The Genosphinx is a wise and majestic creature that is nevertheless terrifying when angered. All Genosphinxes are female and have a strong sexual dimorphism with their male counterparts, uh, commonly referred to as the Androsphinx, which is actually a different creature entirely. Oh, weird. But they can interbreed to produce either of the types of offspring. Sphinxes tend to be careful and methodical in their decision-making and pride themselves in their cold logic and impartiality. They have little patience for lesser Sphinx variants, seeing them as little better than animals. Sphinxes love riddles and complicated dilemmas and treasure strange facts and arcane trivia more than gold or gems. Uh, The important thing is they are functionally immortal, unless killed by violence. Okay. Yeah, I believe that might be the same Sphinx. She's uh, helped my friends out in the past, I suppose, and Masika knows her. At least a little bit, from what I understand. I mean, of her, she doesn't really interact with us very much. Oh, she put that stone in Studi's head. That's what I know. So, maybe I should speak with with him. Neither of you have met her. Uh, if you want to know specifically about the Sphinx, uh, he or, or Citra, I believe, have both met her. God, that's, so it's kind of weird to think about that, yeah. you know, that was episode 50. But yeah, it's just like two of these characters have never met the character from episode 50. Yeah, uh, crazy. Well, he nods. We took advantage of her hospitality for the following two days, and when the storm passed, we left. I have a general idea of where it is. I think if we got closer, I could probably see some of the landmarks. It's been thousands of years, but to me, it seems like it was just weeks ago. So we're heading south, we, or north, I guess, because you ended here. Yeah, we were we were continuing on south. Uh, we kept getting pushed further out. The Sphinx had warned us away from the the Badlands, directly south of where she was. Said that there were creatures, dangers there that we would be best served to avoid. These most likely being the Badlands that all of you had already gone through. Yep. When we were passing by here, we'd heard from the locals that there were creatures terrorizing them, attacking in the night. They'd been digging, searching. One of them had found an old ruin that they couldn't tell whether or not it belonged to pharaohs of old or someone else in the nearby desert. And then it seems that these creatures, these... He gestures a hand down to one of the cook fires, which is grilling up a lizard, Mm. came out of the desert and attacked. Where was this ruin? They said it was on the far side of the oasis. He stares. God, so much has changed. He looks out at the salt flats. This place was vibrant. It was green. It was a place of sanctuary here in the desert. So you and your brothers came here to get rid of the creatures? Yes. We were traveling through, and it seemed only appropriate that we do what we could to help the people here. We are defenders, copish men of Sothis. Does that ring any bells? You can make a knowledge local if you want. I rolled a three for a 13, but sugar can make a check. Does sugar speak dwarfish? Oh, she doesn't speak dwarfish. Yeah, she has no idea what you guys are saying. I asked sugar, you ever heard of the Kopesh men of Sothis? Yeah, you can go ahead and have a roll. She rolled a 10 and got a 21. Go sugar. It's a 
name sometimes given to the city watch of Osirian's capital. Kopesh Man, as in a proper K, followed by Man, is a leader of the Risen God. Oh, dang. Oh. I'm assuming y'all were guards of, of Sothis and not Risen guards. Well, there was no Pharaoh, so no Risen guard. I don't know. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, there wouldn't have been a risen guard okay. feasibly at the time. Unless there was like a pharaoh in hiding or something like that. Mm. No, we were eyes of Sothis, guardians, watchmen of the city. Mm. My ancestors once served in the risen guard. Oh. Yeah, they're back now, the risen guard. Truly. Mm-hmm. We got pharaohs again. He strokes his chin. So much has changed. Mm. War never changes. <laughs> Goodness. The eyes of Sothis were responsible for keeping safe the the city of Sothis, but also guarding the surrounding lands, hmm. keeping the people safe, traveling, and doing what they could to ensure that all those in the Sphinx River Basin and beyond were kept safe and secure. When we heard about the dangers here, we could not pass up the opportunity to, we wouldn't pass our duty to come and help these people, even if it seems to have ended poorly for all of us. So they're bit. What was uh? It's been so long since I played Assassin's Creed. Well, that Bayek was a member of the Magi. The Magi. Magi. Yeah. So a bit like the Magi. Well, does he actually know if all of his companions actually got turned to stone, or did they escape? He'd have no way of knowing, would he? Unless he saw them killed. Mm. Yeah. Well, the world keeps changing, regardless of how we feel about it. He nods down. I don't see many elves here. Unless that's changed. Are elves common in Osirian now? No, that hasn't changed. I I hail from further, originally all the way from Nex. Ah, good. I thought maybe that accent was common in Sothis now. Nah. That's weird. grins. Oh, man. People talk like Sudi and Citra around here. Uh, except for Masika, who talks like Masika. Well, Masika's different. Why am I talking in that accent? I don't know why you're talking like that accent. Is Nex still raised or still? Nex is missing. Geb still's got still's got that undead thing going on. Uh, I guess not everything changes. Hollis will spend time kind of catching him up on the history that she knows that's happened in the past thousands of years or whatever yeah. since he's been gone. I suppose in, in a quick rapid fire thing, he marvels about the rise of Osirian again, which of course is a huge thing. Uh, he predated before Catapesh left Osirian, let alone the arrival oh, of the Backmasters. Wow. Arden's wow. dead, which that's kind of a big thing. Uh, he had no that's idea. Who the, history. He had no idea who the F uh, Tarbefon is, or what had, <laughs> any of that has to do with anything. Uh, which um, means he has no idea who any of the recent new gods are either. Oh, yeah, like there's Ahamadei, this Caden, Ahamadei guy and this Caden yeah, guy. Yeah, the rundown on the past yeah. couple thousand years of history. Jeez, he's Just like really out of touch. Like, hey, there's a whole I, new pantheon, I, basically. I think... Old Man Jatembe's gone. Yeah, I think Norgaber. I mean, Old Mage Jatembe, I think, predated him by quite a bit. Because Old Mage Jatembe was right after Earthfall, which was about yeah. 8,000 years ago. So he's not in the before Absalom reckoning. And I think Norgaber was a new deity when he became petrified. Norgaber, Uh Well, so, so yeah, but here's the question. Like, would he history even heard of Norgaber then? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, Masika will at some point interject and pull out her map and be like, hey, we going by this oasis where we're going? Uh, it's north and east. We'll be going northwest. All right. She'll send a sending. Unless you wanted to stop there. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of out of the way. 
Because we were just going there to reconvene to figure out where we were going next, but now that we have a destination. Mm. Uh, so looking over this, he he seems to believe he could probably lead you to where he, mm-hmm. the very least where he met with the Sphinx in probably about four or five days. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you decided to divert your way to the Oasis, it'd probably take about a week. It'd add yeah, an extra we two days like or so. Like I said, we were only meeting up with everybody there to figure out a next step, but we know where we're going now. Yeah, so we can skip that unless we need to resupply. I mean, how are our supplies doing? <laughs> Does everyone have food? I mean, uh, I I can almost never starve because I eat I have nothing. a ring of sustenance, so yeah, I'm good. You I will mean, never starve. Masika has 30 trail rations, so... I've got... Uh, good Lord, I've still got 35 trail rations. Yeah, I still have 39. Wait, maybe I don't have a ring of sustenance. I'd say Onuris had a ring of sustenance in this party. That's why he and Sudi used to do the watches, but... Yes, that's a different character. Hmm. Uh, can Masika create food? Yeah, she can cast create food and water if it came down to it. Cool. It also seems like we have a lot of rations, so... Yeah, so basically, as long as we can keep creating water, we have plenty of food. I mean... I mean, Masika has create water. Else, yeah, assuming the caravan's in the same position, then we're probably... Well, I mean, they would be with the water because we could just make the water for them. Yeah, but yeah. if we're not there... Well, yeah. Kelru's there. Oh, they that's true. Yeah, yeah, so they Kelru got water, and them. potentially Kelru can create food. I think he's powerful enough for that. He'd have to be at least fifth level. I don't is. remember his level. It's been a while. I suppose you spend a while just kind of ca- catching him up on current events. Masika will send a sending spell to Zosair, just going, Hey, yeah, not going to the Merchant's Oasis. Going to find this tomb. Catch up with you later. I'm not counting the words or saying the exact message, but yep. if that's the gist. Yeah, he, <laughs> he tells you that the your tribe is safe, tells you to be safe, grunts at least seven times. Okay, cool. <laughs> is each one of those count as a word? Yes. yes. Or are those free? I didn't realize grunts were free. <laughs> nope. I suppose you do settle down for the evening. Citra, you get to spend some time with Falto, actually catching up on things and getting to, lack of a better term, just relax for a bit. Yep. That's what she's counting on. It's the calm before the sandstorm. <laughs> yep. You just got to bring all that negativity in. That's how you jinx things. Well, that don't Y'all that, be that, fair. Sudi's yeah. a black cat. What do you want? Holla sits down black after her long Black cats are only bad luck in America. Wait, really? Yes. I guess that makes White sense. cats are typically bad luck. That is an American thing. Uh-huh. Holla sits down with everybody once we're all back together and says... I think we should look for them ruins that was out here. The ones that Masika fell in. I think we should do that first. Why? We know where the tomb might be, and that's where we need to go. But we don't know how any of that stuff in that tomb might work. And if this is a workshop of that guy... I know plenty about clockwork. Yeah, but you aren't an ancient Osirianan, like, master clockwork maker guy. Which we're assuming Jesus like was, right? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Hmm. I feel like we should go straight to the tomb. That's where that's where Kobeck? that Kobeck guy is going, right? And we need to find the larva and a bunch of other things. The workshop had clockwork in it, but it wasn't very big. Yeah, but there could be information, and that could be essential in defeating our enemy. Okay, so where map-wise are these locations? I think this like, one's, which one's right on the over way? here somewhere. We don't know. Masika doesn't remember where she was when she fell. We'd have to search for it. But the dwarf said that the town had found an old ruin, so he seemed to kind of know where that might be. 
Now, is that the tomb or is that the workshop? That's the workshop. The, the workshop. only reason we were looking for the workshop before was to try to find clues to find us to the tomb. But now we have this dwarf who can lead us more or less in the right direction of the tomb. I don't think we need to waste time looking for the workshop. But there's also a big mega weapon that may have instructions in the workshop. We don't know that. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so we waste time looking for the workshop and then, you know, something bad happens at the tomb. I feel like if this one's closest, it might have information that is going to help us. Yeah, I, I it, it seems silly to not explore it because I'm, I'm drawn back to book two when we didn't explore that one uh, location with the Lamia. That's where the Asp was? That was where the Asp was. <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering if it's the similar thing where it's going to be like, well, that would have been helpful if we'd known that, that if we had this piece of information or that, you know, doohickey. And Rick made the, ah, sounds like on yours is still here comment because we were always rushing. That's true. Maybe it was him giving us a hint. I don't know. By not giving us a hint? Being mysterious. Maybe we're overthinking this. That's not how I interpreted that, him saying that at all, but I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. I think we should check out the workshop also because we can learn about Masika's backstory and Narmer's origins. That's true. Masika's already told you everything she knows about the workshop. It was a small workshop with a clockwork guy and she made Narmer in there. But you were like six. There's a shocking lack of details, though. There could be more cool stuff. Could you read hieroglyphics when you were a kid? Because I bet there was cool stuff on the walls. What does (laughs) Narmer think? Ooh. Yeah, the reason why we came to the salt flats in the first place was to try to find the workshop. Yes. <laughs> but now we have a dwarf that can bypass that step because the only reason we were going to the workshop was try to find a clue to the crypt. So now we can save time and just go straight to the crypt. But the last time we trusted an NPC, we got some people killed. That's a fair point. So we don't That's know if he's going to fully remember. He thinks once he gets there, he'll be able to navigate us. Not to mention, he could be lying. Y'all didn't make any sense motive checks. That's true. Oh, yep. Hollis just explicitly <laughs> trusts people. I don't know. Does the dwarf know exactly where that location is, Rick? Because when I asked, he seemed to know the workshop location. He knew that it was somewhere in the region, but he did not know the specific location. He didn't journey there. They simply secured the location and learned from the locals that they'd broken through, found this ruin. So and we're gonna apparently have to these basilisks s- came And we out. don't even know if it's the workshop. So we're going to have to search no matter what, though. I think we'd waste time looking for the workshop. That's my opinion. That's Masika's opinion. I just don't want to miss out because when we were in Tefu, there was a lot of stuff we could have done and we didn't. And yeah, I feel like we're falling me. into that same trap. Yeah, I think so, too. Because, I mean, he's y'all. not... He, I don't think Kabek is going to kill the larva anytime soon. And he doesn't have the other piece of the mask because he doesn't have the information that we do. Okay, now I'm confused. So, we originally came to the Salt Flats to look for the workshop, but why did we want to go to the workshop in the first place? Because we needed clues to find Chisisek's tomb, and it was Chisisek's workshop. Let me sum this up and see if this clears up any confusion. Okay. So... There are four oases in the desert that you are aware of. There's the oasis that you originally met the Bakken people at. There's the merchant's oasis, which is where they were going. Okay. Actually, where they should be right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The third one is the dried oasis, also known as the salt flats. Which is where we are now. Which is where you are now. The fourth one was in the region of this dried oasis, which was the oasis that... Masika's father wished into existence and then disappeared when he died. It was near this oasis, but it was not this exact same oasis. That oasis didn't dry up and become a salt flat in five years. Now, you know that the ruins here, which are the ruins that you're currently at, you were originally directed to these by the elders of the Bakken, 
because they date from the same time as you believe Chisisek. So you came here hoping to find some evidence, although it seems like it's all blasted away or buried. Uh, again, Falto's caravan might be able to excavate some information, but you're not positive of that because it comes from the same time period as Chisisek. You also knew that the tomb that Masika fell into or the workshop that Masika fell into is somewhere in this region. But again, it's somewhere. So you don't know specifically where it is. Yeah, we knew that. So I think your idea was, well, we can go over there. We can check the ruins and see if there's any information in the ruins. And if that doesn't pan out, we can then dig until we find this workshop. But here at the ruins, we we found this dwarf who has an idea where the tomb is, which is the whole reason we came here anyway. So we should go to the tomb. If you want the mechanics behind this, by the way, um, it will take you two days to, in essence, make a search check to search the hex that you're currently in. If you want to try to find this workshop. So that's just the game mechanics behind it. Yeah, but we're going to have to search for the tomb as well. Well, yeah, but it's it's we spend two days searching here, then have to travel for four days to search another hex. If we're getting a little metagamey, keymakery here. Okay. So it's, do we want to spend the two days to search here in this hex, or do we want to save two days and go up and search where we think the tomb is. Assuming that the dwarf in a sandstorm, after being in a sandstorm for a long time, remembers exactly how to take us the direction he went. That is correct. I still think we should go to the tomb. I'm I'm leaning more towards we, we search here just because, to Jess's point, well, we barely know this guy. He may not even remember stuff. This stuff may have shifted in 2,500 years mm. to where his information may not even be accurate anymore, not b- because of malicious intent, just because... Sand. Sand. And we yeah. could find something here that will help us when we get to the tomb. True. Yeah, because, like, I mean, for instance, we might find us... Like plans a, to the tomb. The plans to the tomb. We may find a, a favorite phrase that's the way to disable traps. I mean, who knows what we could find yeah. there. And Falto wanted to search this area, and we promised Anhakt that we would search this area for his friends anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah. Which yeah, is but probably his friends take would more be than... in the city, not spread out over two days of searching an entire hex. Well, yeah, but the caravan can work in the city and help with that, and we can they, go search the rest. They were going to do that anyway. From what Masika remembers of the workshop, it's like one room. Yeah, but you were also a kid. There could have been secret doors. There could have been all kinds of Magic. other stuff there. It's because of what the dwarf said. It triggered my let's not be hasty instinct because there were ruins nearby. And ruins always seem like it's worth it because there's stuff in them. We can just put it to a vote and call it. Okay. Let's be voting. Does Narmer get a vote? We asked Narmer what he thought, and he said nothing. Yep, Narmer <laughs> stayed silent. I'm sorry. Well, no, you, you asked Narmer what he thought, and then immediately someone else started talking, so I was being polite. Yeah, does he remember anything about the workshop? <laughs> uh, oh, my earliest memories are from the workshop. It was like coming into the world. What do you remember? Uh, I remember a blue light. It was dazzling. It's kind of like this. And then he opens his chest plate and blasts you all in the eyes. And and then I remember Mashika and she smiled down at me. And I was like, hey. And she was like, can you climb out of this hole? I looked up and I saw a hole and I was like, well, I've only been alive for 13 seconds, but let me find out. And then I flew out and found her father. And then I brought him back. He was really freaked out when a flying fish flew up to him. It's like, hey, I don't know where your daughter is. If you want to have her back, you have to follow me. I maybe phrased that poorly. And then I flew her back and then we went down there. And that was when I saw my father. 
but he was dead. What do you remember about him? He looked nothing like me. Uh, he was a metal man uh, from the waist up. And from the waist down, he was nothing. That's weird. Uh, I, I think maybe he misplaced his legs. I'm not entirely positive. That's uh, had like his legs. Oh, was I made from his legs? Maybe. Oh, it's like I'm carrying part of him with me. You definitely you have been this whole time. Metaphorically and literally. I have my father's legs. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he had four arms and he didn't have a face. It was like a metal plate and it had all these neat designs on it. And it had two eye holes for eyes, but there are no eyes. And uh, Mashika told me he was called a metal sage. And then Mashika's father was so thankful that this sage had sacrificed his life to save his daughter and also provide her her greatest friend of all time. <laughs> that he then named his daughter Sage. Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. Yep. Mashika's father was a great man. I miss him. He died like he lived, killing cultists. And now we're all sad. Well, that doesn't help, but that's a nice story, and I'm very happy you told it to us. Yeah, there were lots of shiny things down there. I mean, there's a part of me that I want Mashika to build... Me, like, even a bigger body? You don't like need a bigger body. We've been over this. If you're too much bigger, you won't fit in the bag. Wait, wait. Let me let me propose this idea. You said we're looking for a flying pyramid, right? So what if you build me a body so big I could just reach up and grab it and just drag it down? <laughs> the ancient rumors of the kaiju. I could be like, like mecha armor. Just reaching up and pulling them down from the sky. Oh, Kaju are real. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Also, uh, really if, like you were that big, if you were that big, you wouldn't be too good at sneaking, and then you wouldn't be able to play your game anymore. Uh, also, my greatest regret was I, Mashika would be out of a job. <laughs> Excuse me? Well, you're, you're my mount, but I I'd be too big. I am not your mount. Oh, okay. He, he leans over. I let her think that so she feels better. <laughs> So Narmer uh, doesn't get a vote, clearly. Yeah, Narmer doesn't get a vote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sugar looks up. It's like, by the way, if he got a vote, I would get a vote, too. I know, honey. I was going to push for it, but then it didn't happen, so it's okay. Unless you have a vote, in which case I will take your counsel. I mean, to be perfectly honest, the sooner we can get out of this desert, the better. Oh, I don't well, want to go digging around through the sand and dirt all day. Well, I don't have nothing for that. We could just try our classic approach, which is try to find a way to solve this problem through magic. Yeah, I thought Can't about that a little bit. Can't you just divine the solution? Divination. Use that divination. I don't have divination. Why not? Because <laughs> I do. Poor K, because, no. Because when she made this character, you had a person in the party that could cast it. <laughs> That's fair. So I didn't take that. I can look at people's memories and Masika stuff. Masika should cast divination and we can see if it's a bad idea to skip oh. uh, the thing. I can use magic. I can do that shared, not shared memory, that eyes of the city or ears of the city spell. And I can this commune a, with the local people that were dead long ago and ask them what was in the ruins. This isn't a city anymore. Well, the mechanics of it is it allows you to use that spell in place of a gather information, but you would not be able to. The spell won't work when you would not otherwise be able to use a gather information check. Well, that's not oh. helpful. Yep. Sad city slicker elf. Maybe you could use the shared memory thing on the dwarf and we can see what he saw. Actually, not a bad idea if we could see if we could somehow figure out where his, what his last memories were before he got frozen might also tell us where his friends are and speed up the time to find his friends. I can see one minute of his life per casting. One whole minute. That's how the spell works. I think it's very we, difficult. We, sh 
maybe we should look at the memory of when he uh, went to Teddy Sura's home. I also think that would be useful. All right, I can do that in the morning. I mean, and I can cast divination and ask if we should look for the workshop or the tomb. Yeah, let's do a kind of a combination of both. Let's do the shared memory and let's do the divination and then hopefully that'll give us a better direction in the morning. See, this is why you should ask for my input over this catfish. Ah, <laughs> I know that you are the more wise and sagest of us. That's I true. I know. Darmer's got a 13 wisdom. You can't understand me. <laughs> she has a 12 wisdom, a 13 charisma, and a 13 intelligence. Take that, fish boy. <laughs> We're developing an antagonistic relationship. I miss on her. <laughs> I thought y'all were bonding. Uh, at least that boy knew how to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, yeah. but you <laughs> No, Sugar liked the gossip. That's true. They were going to gossip about the, the weird, shady, honest guy. They need to find out what's going on there. I cast divination. You already have one prepared? Oh, that's right. You can do your thing to substitute, can't you? No, but I have one memorized because we needed to use one a couple days ago, and I kept it on my list. Nice. The best reason that I still have this spell prepared, I was too lazy to prepare something else. (laughs) I will find the dwarf and do share memory because I definitely have a slot open for today. Nice. Hey, dwarf, I know you've had a really traumatic 12 hours, but... How do you feel about (laughs) reliving one memory? One memory. One minute. I can also cast contact other plane. Oh, yeah, I do have that, but that's scary. Can it, like, suck down all your wisdom and make you unable to cast for, like, a week or something like that if it goes horribly wrong? Mm -hmm. Longer than a week if it's really bad. Although Heather Mythos dictates that that won't happen. It's true. I don't know if we should trust Heather Mythos with something that's that debilitating, though. Congratulations, Masika. You're basically a crappy fighter. For five weeks. Five weeks. All right. right, I'll cast Divination first. (laughs) That sounds like a sensible idea. Yikes. All right. I think you guys uh, mark off another 25 gold worth of honey because I think that's what you guys are slurping down to use your divination. No, I have incense. Okay, there you go. You can save the honey then. You say that, you look over, and Falto's made like honey tea for everyone. No! No! Everybody's getting visions today. (laughs) Everybody, do divination now. I suppose you have this debate, then Masika goes, you know, screw it, I'm going to ask the gods because she already has this prepared. Settles down, burns some incense. Narmer blasts me with his light. Yep, Narmer stands there and blasts her with radiation. I'm I'm helping. (laughs) All right, Heather. It's just a question, right? Yeah, what is your question concerning a specific goal, event, or activity that is to occur within one week? I'm going to ask it if we should go to the workshop or the temple, which is the Mm. bet. Will going to the workshop or the temple first lead to a better, lead to the better outcome? Better outcome is a very subjective term. Okay. Well, lead us to Kabek faster. Yes. To defeating Kabek faster. Defeating Kabek faster, yes. You, Cass, you settle in. You stare into the incense as it wafts around you. I imagine you do this probably inside of the living room of this old house. The windows, the shutters long gone, the wind whistling, and the light playing across walls that have not seen torchlight in maybe centuries, if not millennia. Masika, you surround yourselves with these burning blocks of incense. I imagine they're the little, like, conical ones, since you don't really have, like, Probably an incense Probably something thing. easy to transport. You don't want to, like, break all your one gold sticks of incense. They're one gold piece apiece, so you burn 25 of them. <laughs> Either that or you pay 25 gold pieces for one of them, whichever. The smoke wafts around all of you, fills the room with this, this strong scent, the scent that to 
Hollis reminds her of old days spent poring over ancient relics in the temple of Nethys and Sothis for Sudi and Citra both just reminds them of your unfortunately periodic run-ins with the uh, unquiet dead climbing out of their sarcophagi in it auction houses and remind elsewhere. them of Onuris because Onuris smelled like it all the time. It was one of his Azimar things. Reminds you of Onuris and his cologne. <laughs> His musk. His, I was, oh, you went there. I was going to say his musk. Yes, his natural scent. Now you made it weird. Well, you made it an Azamar ability, which means it's weird. That's actually one of the things is that they have a sm- that they always have like smell like rain or something. Smell good. Mm-hmm. The winds outside grow quiet as you focus. What's the exact wording? Will going to the workshop or the temple first lead to us defeating Kabek faster? A voice comes out of the darkness to you, softly. Crossing the desert, passing beneath two bridges, there you will find vengeance and heartbreak. I didn't answer anything. Thank you, divination. Yes, it does, because the temple's past the two bridges. So that's saying, go to the temple. We asked if it was faster, not if it was better. Yeah, well, yeah, because it also said, and heartbreak, which is a little disconcerting. Yeah, (laughs) means probably baby larva gonna be dead. Well, or oh, no. our Sphinx friend, baby or, or, or Teddy Sir is going to be things. dead. Teddy Sir is going to be dead. Options. Why not all? Mm. Extra. <laughs> so we know the temple is beyond the two bridges. So two bridges. Well, we know where the Kabek is also. Well, we already well, had a no, good that idea just that gets us on the, That just gives temple. us the trail to Kabek, not necessarily m- m- guaranteeing he's there. We asked mm-hmm. defeat Kabek faster. Yeah, yeah, which means that. that's the close. That's the shorter distance to get to him. Or just in the long run, that's going to save us a step. It may not have anything to do with Kabek will, being there right now. I will give this to Masika. Hollis would probably know this also if Sudi's kind of bringing up this point. Uh, I know that that was Jordan bringing it up out of character. Much like your previous attempt at divination, you are aware that this has to be an event that could potentially take place within the next week. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, the only way that, for it to happen in the next week. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it could potentially happen after that. It's basically with the phrasing of your divination, which is the fastest way to confront Kabek. It did give you an answer, which means that if you took that direction, you could confront Kabek within a week. Hmm. Things could potentially change. Yeah, but it means he's either there or somewhere within three days of there if we left tomorrow. So it's four days to get to the next location, and then it would be, it could be no more than three if we're to actually confront him. <sighs> okay. So do we want to go straight to the temple then? Are we ready to confront him? Are you ready for round two? <laughs> the heartbreak part is scary because what if we find something here that prevents the heartbreak? That's the problem with riddles, though. I know. They're never clear. Usually I like that about him, but not in this specific case. So we're still to stand so I know, dang it! Masika's vote hasn't changed. If anything, this tells her that she's interpreting it as we should go there sooner than later. Well, speedy doesn't always mean the best way to go, though. The safest way. Oh, God, the warning. Okay, the wording of that was, will going to the workshop or the temple or tomb or whatever be the fastest way to get to Kabek or whatever? Yeah. To defeating Kabek. To defeating Kabek? Well, the answer is yes. Either doing this or this is the answer. 
the answer that it gave us was yes. It said crossing the two bridges, which means head to the tomb, because that we already know from a previous thing that the tomb is beyond the two bridges. So but regardless, saying, we would be doing that. It's just win. Yes, but since it specifically mentioned the two bridges, I think the, di- the answer to the divination is going to the t- tomb is going to lead us to callback, of course, faster. But he has the larva. We know Tedesura was injured when she went after him. No, she was healed from the people at the bee people. Yeah, she was healed by the bee people. No, they said she left before she was fully healed. She was not fully healed. They healed her to the best of their ability. Oh, okay. Ah, okay. And then she healed. pressed on to go cut the head off the snake. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's under his control and we're going to have to fight her. And that's the heartbreak. But oh, most definitely. I don't know. I know, because I'm still like, what if we find something that would help us? <sighs> Hollis prepares oh nothing but break enchantment. she will prepare that for sure it's gonna be like five different encounters of her just starting the encounter going break enchantment you're free leave break enchantment (laughs) you know you know what can't be enchanted clockworks if only one of us was a clockwork mage of some sort making clockwork people if only one of us was a 600 foot tall clockwork kaiju does Hollis know anything about clockwork sages like how to maybe repair one or how to I don't know power one you can make me a knowledge arcana. Okay, 14 for a 32. First off, to your knowledge, there is no such thing as a clockwork sage. Oh. He may have referred to himself or been named the metal sage, but he was more likely than not some form of other clockwork device. He could have been a clockwork mage or a clockwork priest or God knows what else. Secondly, if Masika took the in essence, the animating magic portion of this clockwork being that crystal that Narmer uses to create another clockwork being with it. You could only repair it if you had training on how to construct constructs. So if you have craft construct or knew someone that did, you could potentially attempt to repair them. Uh, Three levels. Give me three levels. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're coming back in three levels, y'all. Hollis, memorize this location for teleport. Okay. We're going to come back and resurrect my father? Uh, Narmer, that's been my goal since I was like six years old. You know this. How did I forget this? (laughs) Oh, now I'm happy all over again. (laughs) Narma has memories. I do have memories. Sometimes they're fuzzy. Could I cast my spell to see what Narma remembers? Not the part he's telling us about, but I can see the full scene. The part where he flies up and finds the dad. Yeah. What was the name of that spell? Sorry, what was the name of that spell? Uh, Shared memory. To say, does it work on constructs? I don't know. Uh, so it wouldn't because it's a mind affecting effect, but he is. It is not a mind affecting effect, it's a divination. Oh. Yeah. Then. That's interesting. I think extra. You and one creature touched? Yeah, he is a creature. He is a creature with I mean, intelligence that can form memories. Yeah. It sounds like by the rules of magic, I do technically count as being alive for this. Would you let me cast this spell and see your memories from from when you were first created? You can see any memories you want. I have no secrets. Mashika has secrets, and I know some of them, but... (laughs) (laughs) You certainly have secrets. You keep in secrets for all of us. You got to keep that secret. That's a secret of yours as well. I'm a secret keeper, but I don't have secrets of my own. I'm an open book. All right, cool. Well, let me read this book real quick. Sudi, like, like okay. subconsciously, like, adjusts the uh, the headdress that's underneath all of his turban. All right, if Hollis I, is going to cast... If I blast you with my light, will it help? Probably not. 
No, I, I, I learned spells from reading a book. It's a whole thing. Blaster okay. with the lightning armor. Blaster. I'm going to do it anyway because it shuts the mood. It's going to get like little strobe lights and stuff going on in here. Yep. <laughs> That's weird. All right, I'm going to settle down with with Narmer and see if I can see his earliest memories of the space. This is the most exciting thing to happen to Actually, me in at least the last two days. I would like to see... Well, right now, I just want to see his memories of the space, but I might cast the spell again in the morning. He flew out of the space. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking you were doing, was to look out and see if you could find geographic landmarks. Well, first, I want to see what was in the space, and then... In the morning, I can just have the same spell and cast it again and see his, like, journey over land. Oh, okay. It shows you a minute, doesn't it? You could see both in the same minute. Oh, that's fair. A minute is long. As long as Rick wants it to be. True. Although okay. he did specifically say that Narmer was alive for 13 seconds before he went and left. So <laughs> we have 13 seconds there and 47 seconds of fly time. True. <laughs> it's true. My internal chronometer started ticking the moment I activated all right, let's do it. Makes me think, does Narmer, does Narmer have all time based on his origin time, just like computers do? <laughs> it's true. I do. I, I count it all down with my eternal clockwork thing. By the way, Mashika, go ahead and wind me again, just while I'm thinking about it. She will wind Narmer if he feels like it's important for this to be done right now. Okay, I don't want to <laughs> die. Well, you're not actually going anywhere. I mean, I'm going on an imagination adventure. Let's do this, Hollis. All right. <laughs> We're Yay! doing it. Wild. Cool. All right. I suppose you, uh, unlike the long and involved meditation process and incense burning and everything else that goes on with uh, casting a divination, uh, you spend about six seconds saying some words, making a gesture, and reaching out and touching his forehead. Wizard. Mm-hmm. Your perspective shifts suddenly. You are two feet tall. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm a toddler again. <laughs> <laughs> The room around you disappears, and another room appears immediately. As from this view, it's, you see it as if you're laying down somewhere. There's an odd sensation, especially for Hollis, as you're kind of you're embodying this memory, as you feel nothing. Mm. It kind of feels like you're enwrapped in this, this encasement of metal and plate and armor so that there's no physical extremity to you. Oh my, that's odd. And then there's... This indistinct in this background, but this constant, almost as if counting down the time that your spell remains, this internal tick, 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 hmm. tick, tick, that you wonder if Narmer hears in his ears all of the time and just has somehow grown immune to hearing the clockwork whirl and embodiment of his internal body. <laughs> you stare up into the, I can only imagine, adorable face Aww. of a tiny little Masika staring down at you. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> Hi, my name is Narmer. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. It just suddenly came to me like it's destiny. <laughs> <laughs> the girl looks down, you know, tears running down her face. The chamber is dark. It's kind of the first moment that you recognize that. Although Narmer's eyes see not in the usual black and white, but in varying shades of blue as he mm. stares at her and stares out. As he takes a second to sit up, hop up to his feet, flap his fins experimentally, looks around, you can see you're in a chamber that is shockingly spacious. You sit, you stand now, although even standing, you're still at a lower perspective than you're used to, on a table 
almost this platform in the center of this room with wide, that's 30 or 40 feet wide, maybe 60 feet in overall length. The surrounding walls are lined with stone alcoves and niches built into them containing a variety of strange clockwork devices and pieces. Tables are scattered about like small stone benches containing a variety of different strange odds and ends, what look to be half-formed or half-completed men and animals. Off towards the side, you can see a diorama of which looks to be maybe a number of spheres encircling one another, although none of them are moving and cobwebs hold fast to them, seemingly embodying the sun and its various planets. Nearby, you can see this array of what look to be various mechanical animals and almost this diorama-like display. And off towards the left-hand side, you sit. You see sitting quiescent this what looks to be still reinforced chariot, <laughs> seemingly pulled by two mechanized horses, although frozen in mid-step. Beyond this girl, on a small table, you can see this form that looks like the upper torso of a man. The plates that encase him look thick and armored, reminding you somewhat of the, the clockwork soldiers that you had seen down beneath the bathhouse back in Tefu. He seems to have no mouth or eyes, and numerous designs crisscross the front of this, looking like some almost filigreed-like designs on it as it stares on. The creature has four arms, each one ends in a dexterous looking hand and seems to be surrounded by various schematics and designs. Even with a glance from here, you can tell that those are probably designs for the creation of the very clockwork that you are now inhabiting. Do I recognize what kind of clockwork that is? You may make an ultracon. Uh, let's see. 13 on the die for a 31. Yeah, this looks like it was probably some sort of hybrid of a clockwork mage. You can tell that that's where it seems to begin, but clockwork mages don't have four arms. This isn't like any clockwork that you've ever seen before. A new invention. After a second, the clockwork you're inhabiting turns. So, do you want to play a game? (laughs) (laughs) How creepy would it be if this had this little doll just like anime, look around. So you want to play a game? (laughs) The young girl explains points to the far side of this chamber where you can see a section of the roof has collapsed into this this chamber with seemingly no exit Hmm. from this you can see a small amount of sand pouring down uh, and you can hear the wind blowing outside she quickly explains how she was searching in the desert looking for her father how she fell through the hole she continues to cry as a little flipper you know you can see from the peripheral of your vision reaches out and like pats her gently on the head it's okay, Mashika. I'll go and find help, and I'll bring them back, and then they'll laud me as the greatest hero of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh, Narmer. Nice to see that uh, Narmer hasn't grown at all in the intervening then, years. Smiles down, turns, Narmer away, and flies off into the air. Soars <laughs> up out of the hole, probably much to your, I imagine, dismay at this point which looks to just be a single hole in the middle of a wide, featureless desert plain as he soars up into the sky, kind of turns in a couple quick circles. In the distance, you can vaguely see what looks to be a flatter area of the nighttime desert. Can I see the sky? Yes. Like the constellations and stuff? Yes. Oh, you're getting smart with it. I'm smart. Smart. You may make a uh, knowledge geography if you so wish. Hey, okay. I rolled a 17 on the dive, which is a 
33. Yes, you can immediately pick out a number of the uh, the various constellations up there. The the chimera, the the wagon. Mm. In the distance, far away, you think north and east, you can see this line in the desert that looks to be something like maybe a flatter expanse of the desert, maybe the salt flats. You can't be certain. And further away to the north, far off as he sails up into the sky, you can see this speck of light and seemingly some greenery or trees just sitting in the middle of the desert where it shouldn't be, like a small oasis some miles away. Hmm. The clockwork being dives forward, and then that tick, tick, tick runs out as you snap back to the present. Hmm. Narmer looks up at you with excited eyes. Was it everything that I remembered it to be? Well, I mean, you were there, so yeah. It was your momentous occasion. Anything important? Well, a couple things. First thing is, I think that the I think that Narma's father was a totally new invention. He looked kind of like a clockwork mage, but clockwork mages don't have four arms, so Chisasek might have invented a new type of clockwork, which is interesting. <laughs> Means he probably oh. had a Kasothan friend. <laughs> Maybe that was why I had like amazing magical powers. That's possible. That makes sense. It the room was pretty big, but I was from the perspective of Nama. Uh, there were plans, there were all sorts of doohickeys and doodads and whatnot on the display shelves. And uh, I saw the constellations above. And I think if I do some calculations, I might be able to kind of piece together a general space where it was based on the fact that it was it was kind of it looked like near the salt flats on one direction. And then to the north, there was that oasis that's probably Masika's dad's oasis so that's probably not there anymore or maybe it is i don't know between that and the constellations i'm perhaps could figure out the logistics of where to start the the search of the place there was a lot of interesting stuff in there yeah the oasis will be gone oh yes so like i said there's a lot of clockwork stuff there but nothing that's going to help us find the tomb not find the tomb, but penetrate and use the things within the tomb, perhaps. Everything else is broken. You said to yourself it was only one room. Was there doors to other places? There are no doors that I could see, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. If he was a great architect, he could have easily made secret passages and whatnot. I mean, it would be kind of silly to make this underground place and have only one room without any proper entrance, right? Mm -hmm. If you were a wizard, wouldn't you do that with your secret laboratory? Maybe. I'm not the wizard, so I don't know. I'd be burning a high-level spell every day to get in and out of it. Also, we don't actually know if Chisisek was actually a wizard. Mm. What if you need to go to the bathroom? That's something you people do. (laughs) At least once a week, right? (laughs) In Sudi's case, yes. (laughs) Like a snake? (laughs) Well, he only eats eats one-fourth as much, so I assume he doesn't go to the bathroom the same amount because that would just violate, like, all kinds of laws of conservation. Your body still processes fluids, though. But he only has to drink one-fourth as much as well. Yep. Which I guess he only sweats one. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that's weird. I mean, Hollis is only now way more excited to find this place than she was before. I don't know if that was helpful or not. Although the constellations and stuff might be helpful in finding it faster. The real question is if you could find it and find it quickly, then it might be worth a shot, even if it's nothing. But if it's, you know... Your check with the constellations lets you guarantee... In essence, what that does is it guarantees that you know that it is within a couple of miles of where you are. Mm. It's basically, it's narrowed you down to the hex that you're currently in. Oh, so we already still knew take that, us two right? Days. 
Yeah, well, we, were, we weren't certain. We were guessing that it was. So now we could still spend the two days guaranteed that we'll find it. Or I cast a really risky teleport. No. no. Whoa, wait. Actually, uh, you've seen I've it seen one it. time. I, that sounds so I prepare teleport twice, and that way I can teleport us back, because the city I've seen for the past, like, few hours. Yikes. Study this oh. place carefully. It's less risky than asking a god. I mean, that's that true. Because worst case, we go to somewhere similar, and you go to somebody else's workshop of clockwork horrors. Which would be interesting in its own right. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of digging this idea. now. That t- <laughs> so, yeah, because you've seen it before, so you can teleport to it. I say we do it. What could possibly go wrong? A lot. I mean, in the but meantime, the Falto boy could go ahead and keep searching for this dwarf's buried friends. So mm, at the very true. least, you could honor your promise on that respect. Sugar says that in the meantime, Falto can continue looking for that dwarf's friends. If we I mean, teleport and we the get shot. there, we search it fine. If the teleport misses, we make our way to the tomb and don't waste any more time. We I have think that's to fair. save that the larva. Fair. I think that's a fair compromise, yeah. I that's have faith in my baby. magical ability. It's true. We have to find out whether or not this is a larva or a baby. It's a baby larva. larva. Do you trust your ability I'm to roll? more concerned about maintaining the stability of the desert than whether or not it is a larva or a baby. It doesn't matter. It's going to be the queen. That's true. So we'll find out and then we'll shave it. <laughs> so I suppose we go and rest in preparations yep. for teleporting shenanigans tomorrow. Shenanigans. Da, I'm da, game. Da, da, da. I just realized that when I say shave, shave, I can't say it otherwise. It sounds like I'm talking about shaving a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll shave it. Goodness. Oh, Narmer. Goodness, Narmer. Say shenanigans again. Rest. Shenanigans. I love it. <laughs> I'll show. All right, Gosh. you got to nail it. 100 right in there. <laughs> yeah. You agree with me, right? Mashika should go back to the pigtails. They were amazing. I mean, they were real cute on a child, but maybe an adult, they wouldn't look quite as you remember them. Mashika wakes up the next day and she's just got pigtails. <laughs> yeah, I hold her pigtails no like I was riding a horse. Well, you could do that I within braids, I imagine. I am not your mount. You are my familiar. Also my best friend, but my familiar. It's true. We have a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> sure. All right. I suppose all of you, uh, you rest up, you wake up the following day, you prepare uh, your spells, you pray, you get irradiated, you get all that good stuff. You settle in in preparation for this. I suppose you guys let Falto know what you're going to be doing. Yes, of course. Yes. Oh, no. Nope. We just disappear. He's like, dang it. I'm left with these camels again. <laughs> hey, be nice Poor to my welcome. camels. Poor honor and victory. And I don't know what Basika's camels names are. One and two. What are your camel's names, Masika? I named them before in a previous episode, and I didn't write it down. I remember one of them is Oasis, but I don't remember what the other one is, because I'm a horrible human being. Coconut. (laughs) I called him Lumpy. (laughs) (laughs) I like Lumpy. All right, I'm scared. I'm ready. All right, so... Are we ready for Jess's dice select to betray us? Why did you say that? (laughs) Knock on this wood. Go uh, Go ahead and roll me the dice. And we'll pick it up here next time. No! 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 Jessica, what did you roll? Don't tell her! Don't tell her! (laughs) 
Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.